Hello, I'm Pat Spaulding here to interview Kathy Boss, who's just told a story that included chasing demons and <laughs> hiking on the Santiago and um, finding angels and <laughs> all kinds of things that we we're going to find out more about. So, Kathy, I, I was curious when you, when you mentioned walking this uh, is it Francais? Camino Frances. Camino Frances, mm -hmm. all right. Mm -hmm. And it's 500 miles. Yep. And it took you 39 days. Yep. And you chose to do it. I did. <laughs> because. <laughs> yeah, uh, I chose to do it because, yeah, so the Camino Frances is, is 500 miles. Um, it's one of many different Caminos into Santiago, but this particular one goes 500 miles. And my youngest son had done it with his high school class. You can do it in little pieces, little bits. And so he had done portions of it and come home and said, Mom, you've got to do this thing. This is totally your thing, Mom. And so I had that in my head from a few years ago. And then last fall, that same son abandoned me and went to college. You know, like, right? They do that. <laughs> you want so that to happen, I, though, eventually. I know, you, I know, I know. Not a bad but so he goes off to college, and I had lost my job. And so I thought, instead of jumping back into the hubbub of life, I wanted to just take a break. I wanted to step back, and I love to walk. It's a very meditative thing for me. And so going to the Camino made a lot of sense in terms of not so much a reset button as kind of gratitude for what I'd been able to accomplish and then a time to sort of step, step back and think about what it is I might need from... I was kind of hoping for some like major revelation to happen. Right. <laughs> but we... didn't happen. Sorry. Oh. But you I mean, the revelations happen. Uh -huh. But it, it, yeah, that's an interesting thing. It, when you're walking the Camino, it's not necessarily as much about answers, which I think there was a little bit of me that thought I would finish the Camino and know exactly what I wanted to do with my life when I was finished with that 500 miles. Oh, Pashaw. I've been looking for <laughs> that know, moment for did seven years. It did not work out yeah. that way, yeah. So um, you chose the Camino because your son had yeah. built it up as a real good thing. I mean, a lot of people do something similar with the Appalachian Trail, but... So the Appalachian Trail is actually not, it is, it's a, it's a long walk. The Camino is different in that it is a pilgrimage. Right. And it's really for people of all ages and all abilities too. So, which means that you can modify and take buses and you can send your pack on. It's not like, and you don't have to sleep in a tent, you can sleep in a hotel every night. Really? Yes on the Camino if you want to. Now you mentioned sleeping in dorms. Yes. To me that is like no sleep. Yeah. How do you sleep in dorms with a hundred people? Oh. Earplugs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Earplugs. And you must be kind of close. I mean the, yeah, the beds are like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're sleeping in rooms that sleep anywhere. When I first started out we were sleeping in, I was sleeping in what they call the municipal. So the Camino Frances is funded partially by the um, by Spain, by the government, and mm -hmm. by the church. So there are um, government-funded hostels and there are church-funded hostels along the way. And all of the hostels cost anywhere from zero to maybe maximum about 10 euro for a night. 
So it's very, very cheap. But what you get is a bunk bed and a room with eight other people, or if you want to pay $2 with 50 other people. Wow. And yeah, there's a lot of snoring and a lot of shifting and, uh, and a fear of bed bugs. Yeah, <laughs> I never had any problem with bed bugs. But yeah, all along the way, you're... So the one thing about the Camino is that I think because it was a pilgrimage, I was going there in part thinking that I would have this sort of spiritual journey and that it would be that people would be talking about their spiritual journeys and we'd sort of have these really deep conversations about life and the meaning of life and what was faith and what was our journey and what did it mean to be human. But you know what we actually talked about? Um, What you're going to have for dinner? Feet. Feet. Oh, ouch. Yeah, we talked a lot about feet. We talked a lot about like how to deal with your blisters, what kind of tendonitis people had, what kind of shoes you were wearing. <laughs> that was kind of what we talked about, how to, how to bandage, the, you know, how to put an ace bandage on for this type of tendonitis versus this type of tendonitis, whether to use Vaseline or not use Vaseline. Yeah, there was a lot of conversations about feet. I've never had so many people touch my feet in such a short amount of time. And talk about people. Well, you know more about your feet now. I do. I do. I guess that's a good thing. What about the spiritual part? Did you, what did you discover? Or did you, um, were there any small? Oh, yeah, for sure. So I think for me, I've always thought, and I think part of what makes pilgrimages so um, compelling is that I don't think that the physical is separate from the spirit. And that sometimes we get all up in our head and all up in our mind and we sort of psychoanalyze spirituality and we intellectualize spirituality. And walking the Camino puts it directly in your body. You are walking every day and seeing little, the little tiny minutiae in life. You know, you're hearing the birds, you're seeing the teeny tiny little leaves, you're hearing the crunch of your feet. And during the day, it's, you can walk by yourself. You know, so you walk alone and you're just with your thoughts. And sure, there are some days, you know, where you have to exercise demons in a way. You know, like the day that I walked so fast, I get even worse blisters on the bottom of my feet than I had before. And I think it is that connection of the spirit with the body that makes pilgrimages so popular. Can you say again why that day, what what was it that propelled you to walk faster? Were you trying... Trying to get away for some something? Yeah, I think I was. I mean, it's hard to know what we're... But I think at that point, I was only maybe a week in, and I was still smarting and hurting from some stuff that had happened with some people. You know, I, I, so I was feeling very You mean indignant. before you came before on? Before I came, yeah. Okay. So like a couple of months before I came, there had been this sort of um, situation where I really felt like I'd been slighted and treated poorly and I was still angry about that and feeling indignant about that and so it was rolling through my head and it was just that I sort of decided to walk faster that day and something about that pace brought all of that up it was kind of like a you know like a steam bath you know it was like all of those toxins just like came up to the surface that day and out my feet apparently (laughs) Um, so it was and and lots of things came up. It wasn't just that one thing, but it was like family stuff, and it was work stuff, and it was 
being mad at myself stuff, you know, all of that self-criticism stuff that we do. And I just, in a sense, I kind of walked it out. And it wasn't, I continued to think about some of that afterwards, but that day really did kind of detox so in a way. that was on day, how far into it? I was it? probably about um, 10 days in. And you at went, that so point. it was at one third, and then you at kept- At about one third, yeah. Yeah, or a quarter, a quarter of the way through. And then you're walking and, yeah, there, so what I would say is you have sort of three, and this is what most people say about the Camino, and I, I agree, is that you have three sections of the Camino in a way. You've got the first section of the Camino where it's, it's very physical, mm -hmm. and you're just, your body is getting used to walking this much because you're carrying a pack which, you know, weighs 10 or 15 pounds, you know, you're walking between 10 and 15 miles a day. You're eating food that's strange for your body. So your body, you eat a, you drink a lot of wine. Wow. And <laughs> There's hike. a lot of wine on the Camino and a lot of cafe con leche. So yeah, there is uh, wine. You get a meal for, you know, six euros and the wine comes free a lot of the time. And it's sort of like water there because that's where they grow it. So you get a carafe and they just keep filling it. And so you keep drinking it. So I didn't lose any weight when I was on the Camino. I thought I would lose all this weight, which was another reason I went. But, um, but you don't. So I, I can't remember what I was saying. But yeah. Well, the one third into it. Oh is yeah. So physical. one third is sort of this physical adjusting to being there and to what you're doing to your body, mm -hmm. and then it becomes more about I, this middle part for me, which is called the meseta. It's this very, very flat uh, plain in Spain. And it's sort of, so it's between the mountain ranges and it's raised up, so it's above sea level, but it's very, very flat and lots of, they grow lots of hay there. So a lot of people skip that because it's really boring. But for me, that was a place where finally my mind stopped working. Meaning, it, so at first my body started to get into the rhythm of it, but my mind was still doing, yeah, but that person, she did this to yeah. you, and oh, that person, and what about this, and then, and then, you know, my mind was like, well, you should have said this, well, what if you'd said that, and, and, then, and then I got to the meseta, my body was ready, and then my mind, it was, the mo it was like a pretty spectacular thing. But it was just like it didn't, it stopped. Doing like a type that. of meditation? Yeah. Moving meditation? It just meditation? stopped doing it. It stopped doing it. It was, it was a moving meditation even in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But for me, the meseta was the place where my mind turned off and I could actually just walk. And so you, I would walk for six hours and have no idea that I had just walked, that six hours had passed. And during that time, were you in the present, as they say, being yeah. mindfully present? I mean, present? I must have, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. Yeah, but not in a way that you go, oh, I'm mindfully present. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> look at how mindfully present I am. You're just kind of walking and you see a bird or you see, you know, you chat with somebody for a little while or, and your mind is not doing that buzzy monkey chatter thing that it... What about the last third? Was there a distinction Yeah, the there? last third, I think, is when you start to get more into that integration of it all. And that's what I would say is more of the spiritual thing. You what know, does that mean? It means mm -hmm. that your body and your mind are now working together, and oh, I've calmed okay. down ar around people. So the relationships, I didn't worry so much about. I, I was, it was more about my journey 
I wasn't worried at that point about whether I was going to make somebody mad or hurt somebody's feelings or... Um, I was just really connected to the beauty and the jo enjoyment of the people. There was, I think it was sort of like there was, I dropped the expectations of the Camino. At that point, I mean, you've walked 300 miles. You know, all of your expectations are kind of just like, I don't have an expectation that I'm going to, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. It's so you're just, just open to whatever yeah, happens. Yeah. The, just the possibilities. Yeah. And along those lines, were the, there are particular surprises, things that you didn't expect that that um, startled you, or was well, it just in the, in the more subtle? In, in the end, or like along the way? Along the way. In the beginning, I didn't um, expect such lack of privacy. Like that was a really difficult thing mm. for me. So you get a fair amount of solitude because you're walking alone every day if you want to be, but when you don't get privacy. Like the bathroom, a lot of the bathrooms are, are like also 20 people. <laughs> Not the toilets, but the bathrooms, you know, so you're like 20 stalls and sometimes the, the showers are open and you're showering with a couple of other people and you're brushing your teeth with a bunch of other people and you only have that little bed as your only private space and the whole thing. So you're like trying to like read your Kindle and you put your blanket over your head or... So there's not really privacy, and I thought that I would have more spaces where I could go and keep up my meditation practice mm -hmm. while I was there. There's, I mean, like you said, there are bunk beds that are filling up every single space of these albergues, the hostels, because that's how they make their money. So they're, they don't set aside a nice little meditation space for you. So you just make the walk your meditation. I would, that, yeah, I could understand right, that. But that did sort of surprise me. I thought it would be a little more... I don't know, new agey, and, or, or at least uh, there was a lot of churches along the way, and there were services, which I went to, but the, uh, they, they closed them when they weren't having services, so you couldn't go into the churches. Oh, Most mm -hmm. of the time they were closed, yeah. But you'd recommend that other people do this. Oh, my gosh, yes. I you think would. it's amazing. It'd be hard to get me there, just yeah. you know, based on the, <laughs> the feet and uh, the privacy and... yeah. The fact that, you know, the sleeping seems challenging. It would, yeah, it is. The wine might. The wine is pretty awesome. Hmm. The wine is pretty awesome. I, I, but I think sometimes it's like, I think for me, it's, we get so caught in a version of the world, right? So we have this version of the world that we have here in New England or here in our sort of everyday lives, right? Where we go to work, we do our thing, we talk with our people, we go to restaurants, we get our coffee, we get busy, you know, and, and it's really, and we have to make money and we've got to get, worry about insurance and worry about our house and worry about this and worry about that and take care of our kids and take care of our friends. And what happens when you go on the Camino is that all of that strips away. And so I think after having walked the Camino, that there's, there's always this force around us that is moving us, uh, that is there to sort of aid us and help us. But we don't feel it because we're so damn busy keeping ourselves busy and keeping color and clothes and food and friendships and entertainment in our lives. The Camino strips all of that away, and these weird little things start happening that make you realize that this is probably happening all the time. You just don't notice it. Like, I'll say something. I think I'd, one very clear example is 
I was walking along and I really wanted a scarf <laughs> because I just wanted something pretty, but it didn't have anything pretty. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted a scarf and I'm walking along the next day and literally there in the middle of a village is a scarf on the ground. And I was like, really? And so I picked it up and carried it on my pack for a few days to see if any of the other pilgrims picked it up, and uh -huh. nobody did. And so I wore it, and I still have it. Or being in a city and having walked by myself for quite a while and thinking, you know, it would be really nice to have somebody to walk with. And then like two minutes later, some guy walks up that I'd walked with earlier and is like, hey, you want to walk together? You know, and you walk together. And I think that those things are happening to us all the time. But there's just so much white noise. There's just so much busyness that we so miss it. So you discovered that strongly on the Camino. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty great. Yeah. Have you been able to keep that in your busy life? I'm home? not busy. Oh, you're not busy. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm you redefined your life so as what not I, busy? No, no. What I, what I actually did is I decided that when I came back from the Camino, I wanted to have some time to process it, and I think that's a really important thing to do with something like that, because while you're in it, it's so, uh, it's just so sort of present. There's no way to process what's going on. I journaled the whole time I was mm -hmm. there, but there was no processing in the journal. It was all sort of observational and thinking about, well, a lot about feet again, <laughs> <laughs> but it was more observational. Uh, about the scenery, about the people that I met, and so on and so forth. But what the revelations were of it, I hadn't had as much time to absorb. And so, or, or what it meant for what I wanted to do with my life hadn't absorbed yet. Okay. So I actually took a sabbatical. I haven't gone back to work. So I decided to take um, through June without working, and now I'm looking for a job now. Have but you been writing during that time? I have, yeah. And looking at your journal and processing that I way? I have been processing mm -hmm. that, that. I also have started working on a novel, which is something I hadn't done before. So I've been able to pick up and unravel a lot of the trauma from my childhood and from my life and to, uh, I don't know, have a little more distance from all of that. Mm -hmm. And I, the Camino helped me get to the spot where I could feel strong enough to do that, you know, to really look at that stuff and stripped down enough to really take a look at it. You, you can... said that you met a lot of different people did, along yeah. the way. And um, we're going to be finishing up pretty soon. Is there some particular story or person or people that uh, really resonated with you? That... There was this group of people. Yeah, I think the one thing that I really... Um, took from the Camino was this idea of acceptance. Uh -huh. It's the idea that you, if you can accept where you're at, what your disabilities are, what your traumas are, what your demons are, what your angels are, really accept where you're at, then you can do a lot. And what really brought that home for me was this young man and his brother, and the young man, um, Jean had, has cerebral palsy, mm -hmm. and so he's in a wheelchair, and he started around the same spot that I started, and he and his brother had gathered together their family, gathered together the physical therapist, the nurse, raised money, got a van, and they, um, 
he actually brought his brother the entire 500 miles of the Camino. And that there were places where they carried the wheelchair and they carried John. And there were, you know, places, one place where the older brother got sick and had to bow out for a while and they had to stop. But they were able to do that because they said, okay, he's in a wheelchair. What is, let's, that's it. We, we know he's in a wheelchair. Instead of saying, he's in a wheelchair, we can't do anything about it, you know, that's not fair that he's in a wheelchair, blah, blah, blah. We're going to accept that he's in a wheelchair, and where do we go from here? How do we make it work? And that was actually like, uh, gets us back to the family theme. Yeah, absolutely. That, um, we are one large family. That's right. <laughs> well, absolutely. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Maybe I'll go one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. True Tales Live on PPM-TV is made possible through the generous support of Artists Collaborative Theatre of New England, Act One, presenting outstanding performances of Stories with Heart at the West End Studio Theatre in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. For further information, contact 603-300-2986 or on the web at act1nh.org. With additional support from Pat Spaulding, who really wants to know, hey, what's your story?